Happy Families podcast. It's the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers now. I think as parents, what matters most is that we say to our child, okay, you're saying you don't want to compete or you're saying you want to quit, but we're seeing all of this potential. What do you want to do with this? And now here's the stars of our show, my mum and dad. Well, the Olympics are over. I wish we could play highlights from the Olympics. It's been so inspiring to watch sports people doing amazing things and there's too many protections around the commercial rights of who can play what. So we can't play you any highlights on the podcast about the Olympics. Hi, I'm Justin, by the way. I'm here with Kylie. We're the parents of six kids. I'm the founder of happyfamilies.com.au and the author of six books about raising happy families. Everyone's been so sports focused. How have you enjoyed the Olympics, Mrs. Happy Families? You're hilarious. (laughs) Anybody who knows me knows that I am not particularly sport driven at all. <laughs> but a few times I've found myself down in the TV room with you just every so time, that I could spend some time with you. Every time you walked into the living room, I'm like, oh, Kylie's come to watch the Olympics. Like I, I need to photograph and frame this moment. <laughs> but one event I just loved yeah. was the rock climbing oh, event. Oh, yes. These men, they were like Spider-Man. It was incredible, wasn't it? In five and a half seconds, they had scaled four stories. They're, 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 it's like they're literally running up these walls. The strength, the – oh, wow. And, and and the difference between those who scaled it quickly and then a minute slip, mm. and that cost them three, four, five seconds. Yeah, cost them a place, cost them a medal. Uh, th- those rock climb. that's a brand new sport at the Olympics. I loved it. You know what else I thought about was just there's all of these, I guess you'd call them fringe sports. There are a couple of big sports like soccer and basketball and th- there's these global sports, but – a lot of the sports that you see at the Olympics, like how many people really go and lift weights? How many people are really out there doing high-level gymnastics or, or even surfing? I know a lot of people surf, but competitively surfing or BMX or skateboarding, and yet the Olympics brings it all together and we see this incredible celebration of sporting and a- athletic excellence, the ping pong. I did see a headline that a 13-year-old won the skateboarding yeah, amazing. Skateboarding. Like, when did skateboarding it's become new. an Olympic thing? It's just become on this this Olympics. Unbelievable. 13 years of age. But it's it's such a spectacle. You didn't mention how much you enjoyed sitting beside me watching the cyclists on the velodrome. My honey, that's the only reason I even have snippets of the Olympics to watch. It was just so I could be next to you. You're so nice. You, did you enjoy the cycling? Sure. Oh, that is so harsh. What about what about when the men's pursuit cyclists came when oh, his handlebars no, snapped? Just, it hurts. Seventy kilometres an hour, face no. planting on the velodrome, nose, lips, chin. The, I mean, these guys—they're they're literally riding at like seventy k's an hour. They're not even looking where they're going. It's extraordinary. They're looking down at the ground, and there's four of them, and they've got like ten centimetres between each of them. Anything it's else? Insane. It is. Anything else stand out to you from the Olympics before we move on? There's a couple of things going around on Facebook which have really grabbed my attention. Yeah. The first one was Pink offering to pay a fine for the Norwegian beach handball team. Right. Because they oh, didn't wear the uniform, the designated uniform. Do you mm. know what the designated uniform is? They've got to wear bikini bottoms. They have to wear bikini bottoms. Can I read to you what is in the rule book? <laughs> sure. You've been really. I have. I was really hot blown away. About this. International Handball Federation rules state: female athletes must wear bikini bottoms, and that these must have a close fit, be cut on an upward angle. Nobody wants to have a, a baggy fit with a bikini. Let's be honest. 
well, the cut needs to be on an upward angle towards the top of the leg and the side depth of no more than 10 centimetres. Yeah, they're the, they're the rules. They're the official that rules. That is the official rules. And one of the posts that uh, a friend actually posted, and it's really highlighted to me just how, I'm going to use the word sexist, mm-hmm. this is. The, the difference in the uniforms that males and females wear for the same sports yeah, yeah. is incredible. It's funny you say that. I noticed the gymnastics – like the men are up there and they're wearing – it's almost like – Baggy not, track pants. Well, they're not tracksuit pants, but they're something like that. They're wearing a singlet top and, and then these long tracky dack sort of looking things. I'm, I think they're a bit tighter than tracksuit pants, but they're not They're not bikinis. They're not, they're not leotards that, that show a whole lot. But the volleyball team, women? Yeah. Like those things go up their bums. Have we talked to our kids about this? Have you had a conversation with I the girls? I have not at this point. I reckon this is a conversation we need to have with our girls around the dinner table, around the unequal expectations of males versus females just in terms of what they wear when they're playing sport. These handball players, they just were wearing bike pants. They're mm. still ridiculously fitted. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't want their bums hanging out they got on fined. the court. And yeah. they got fined. Mm. And the article that kind of brought it to the floor had pictures of men and women doing the same sports and just the clothing that they were wearing. Yeah. And it was a male who wrote it uh-huh. and he just acknowledged that he has never done any of his best work with a wedgie ever. <laughs> I've never done the best work in my life while I've been wearing bikini bottoms, <laughs> yes, a pair of Speedos. That's right. But he, he made some really good points and he just he said, it would seem cheaper to supply women volleyball players with adult-sized shorts rather than refill the sandpit each morning because we all know where most of that sand ends up. Like unbelievable. I think, you know, and, and – he goes on and he just talks about the fact that the rule books enforce women to wear next to nothing is because their sports aren't as entertaining as a man's, that it's not enough to see a woman excel without her having to show her body to keep everybody entertained. Wow. And Wow. And he just said, when has a skill that's better than yours not been enough mm. to keep you wanting to see more? Well, we will post the link to that article in our show notes. And anyone who has kids, male or female, who are old enough for a conversation about the differences between guys and girls and expectations that society puts on them, uh, we will share that link. And and I reckon that's going to provoke some really interesting conversations in living rooms and kitchens over the next couple of nights for families around Australia and wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. I just want to salute the Norwegian team. I Mm. just think it's wonderful that they were willing to just stand up for what they felt was right. I can't believe that they got fined in I, 2021. Unbelievable. And that the rules exist. That's that's phenomenal. Now, this is not what we were supposed to be talking about today, but you've taken us on this really important conversation. Uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to have a chat with you about the idea that we should be pushing our kids to excel because the Olympics have kind of created this momentum and motivation as they always do for so many families. Oh, you know, you're really good at this or you're really inspired by that. Let's get you involved. Let's get you going with sport. We'll talk about how parents can get the balance right with their kids and their sporting adventures and aspirations in just a sec. It's the Happy Families Podcast. For a happier family, try a Happy Families membership because a happy family doesn't just happen. Details at happyfamilies.com.au.
It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers now. And we have been talking about some of the highlights and not so good things that have come out of the Olympics. You've just turned it from a highlights conversation into a rant, really. <laughs> but, but a well-deserved and completely justifiable rant. Uh, really important conversation. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that with our kids. Well, we've, we've obviously talked about some of the things that have come out of the Olympics, but I think that it's really important that we talk about you know, parents in general and what they have gone through to help their children get to where they are. Yeah, the athletes are extraordinary, but the families that are behind them. There's so much sacrifice. It's not just the person that you see on the screen that has sacrificed. There is so much going on behind and parents of athletes have given sometimes their entire lives so much, uh, to devote. So to much of what you're saying reminds me, I'm going to just Google it now and see if I can find it. Um, just before the Olympics, Ash Barty. Yeah, there was that great tribute that she gave to... After Wimbledon. Um, yeah, yeah. Yelena Dokic uh, was in commentary and she talked about... So, so the context here, Yelena Dokic ended up being the number four women's tennis player in the world, millions of dollars in prize money, tremendously successful. But on the sidelines at every event, she had a man... I, I think... I think that I can safely say he was abusive. Her, her, her dad, Demir Dokic, was so volatile, so angry, so abusive and aggressive, and and it had to play a tremendous impact on her subsequent retirement from tennis and her mental health. She uh, she's been known to have had tremendous challenges in all kinds of ways that seemed to go back to the way her dad pushed her and pushed her and pushed her and pushed her for excellence so that she could be the best in the world, and. And after Wimbledon, I've got it just here, Yelena Dokic made this beautiful tribute to Ash Barty's family after Barty's success on the court. And I just want to get this out before I fall apart, so give me 15 seconds. I want to give a shout out to her parents, obviously, Robert and Josie, because people underestimate the importance of family. She talks about that all the time. As someone who, ha- who didn't have that support, it is so important. This will set an example for parents in Australia and, and around the world, not how just to raise, not, not, not how to raise a champion, but a genuinely a wonderful human being. This is how you support them. You don't pressure them. You're there for them. And this is why she's there. So big shout out to them. Well done. I'm almost in tears. Yeah. That's it's so impactful from somebody who's been through it. Oh, and it just, just raises such a, an, a really important conversation. How much pushing do we give our children? You look at the things that she was able to achieve in her life as a result of her dad's insistence and push and Oh, but she, at what cost? A, a world champion, but at what cost? That's mm. exactly right. Did she find fulfilment and happiness in her life? What was her relationship like with her her parents in general so at the end t- of it? Let, let's talk briefly about what we do with our kids when they seem to have a knack for a particular sport or whatever their pastime or passion might be. Do we push hard or do we step back and – just support them based on what they want because so many parents get so so caught up in it and and they see the progress that their kids are making. They're like, but you could, you can, you just dream. Come on, let's do this. The very best research is consistently telling us that it's going to be unhelpful if the child is not autonomously motivated. That is, if they're not choosing it, they may still be able to be the best in the world, but that may not be the best thing for them in the world. It's interesting. I think as parents, you know, we look at our children's potential and we see what they can achieve and yeah. we want so much for them to reach it. But I think you've just, you've just touched on it so beautifully. It's just this acknowledgement that unless our children are intrinsically driven, there is so much damage that can take place. 
There's also there's also an interesting tension though. I'm thinking about our 14 year old daughter, who plays the piano at a like a grade four, grade five level. She hates doing exams, and for the first three exams, I sort of held my ground and said, "I know you don't like it, but we've got to help you to progress and develop your competence so that you can truly fall in love with the piano." And that means doing some stuff that you don't love. And now she's at a point where she's about to do her grade four exam. She's already talking about her grade five exam and she's learning grade six and grade seven pieces because she's fallen in love with piano. And I didn't get all tiger parent, but I, I held my ground and now she's at that level of development. And so there's this tension where the kids are like, but I don't want to, I'd, I'd rather not. And they don't want to push themselves. And sometimes they need us as parents to give them the nudge and knowing when to stop pushing is is so tricky, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying I did it right. I'm just putting it out there. No, but I think there's a difference between holding your ground on something and insisting that she do five hours of practice every day. For instance, like we didn't go down that road with her. It was an acknowledgement that exams are an important part of your progress, but how you achieve that is up to you. And we don't actually care at the end of the day whether you're an A student or you're a C student this is just an opportunity for you to learn to grow and to progress the other thing that's worth mentioning is that i did tell her that once she got her grade i can't remember if it was 4 or 5 now i've actually forgotten uh, but once she's done her grade 4 exam she doesn't have to do any more exams if she doesn't want to my sense is she probably will now that she's gotten to that level and she's got that level of competence but i think as parents what matters most is that we say to our child okay you're saying you don't want to compete or you're saying you want to quit but we're seeing all of this potential, what do you want to do with this? And hand it back to them. We could say to them, is it important that you continue to use your body? Is it important that you continue to use these skills? And if so, how would you like to use them? And work with them in in that direction. So all of the best research says autonomy and also range. What I mean by autonomy is to the extent that we can, we empower them to make their own decisions. But we also, when I say range, we also say we want you to try a a range of things. We want you to have breadth because the more breadth you've got, the more likely it is that you're going to do well. There's a great book on my bookshelf right behind us by David Epstein. It's called Range. And he compares the narrative that you've got to get your kids going early, like age of five or age of six, get them into stuff, get them early specializing so that they can excel, get ahead of the pack and do really, really well. The research says that that narrative, while popular, isn't necessarily accurate. And while there are some standout examples, most people who are doing the best in life have done a range of things before they've settled on the thing that they truly love and they've autonomously chosen it. I think as parents, we just need to ask ourselves, what's our motivation for pushing our children? <laughs> why, why are we doing it? Is yeah. it because we wished that we'd been a ballerina? as a kid or being a concert pianist? Is it because we actually see that our kids have a love and a passion for it and we want to extend that? Or is it that we see that they have potential and we want them to excel? Mm. All of us just want our children to be happy. And I think if we just keep that at the forefront. And to fulfill their potential. So (laughs) many parents want their children to fulfill their potential. But what is their potential? As a parent, why am I the judge of what their potential is? I'm not even sure that anyone of us as adults, as parents, has ever fulfilled our potential. Like potential is this thing that's going to be a lifelong pursuit and none of us are going to get there. I'm sure of it. So we do put a lot of pressure on the kids. Can we go back to what Yelena Dokic said? Sure. Ash Barty's parents didn't put pressure on Ash. They supported her. 
15 seconds, one sentence, support, don't pressure. The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Rulon from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. We hope you love the podcast too. If you do, would you please visit Apple Podcasts? Leave a rating and review. Let other people know about how much you like it so that they can find it themselves and make their families happier. If you'd like more information about making your family happier, you can find a Happy Families membership at happyfamilies.com.au. In those memberships, we do Q&As, we do webinars, we send you newsletters, tips for hacking parenting and making it easier, and a whole range of resources to support you because a happy family doesn't just happen. All the info on our Happy Families memberships are at happyfamilies.com.au. 